Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's driving the stolen car, and each night he waits to get caught, but he never does. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we welcome another talented singer-songwriter who is releasing a record called Autonomy on October 23rd of this year, The Craziness of 2020. Please welcome to the podcast, Stephanie Lambring. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. So premise of our podcast, we talk about music, uh, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, we ask the all-important question, Wayne, I'm starting with you. What t-shirt are you wearing? Well, last week I was in Alaska and I, I added three shirts to my collection. Um, thanks to my beautiful girlfriend. This one is Mother Ale from Denali Brewing in Talkeetna, Alaska. All right. Um, what was it called? Mother Ale. It's kind of like a Mother Earth thing. It's got a big blonde with a globe, but the only thing on the globe is Alaska. I'll post a picture. We just gave them some uh, free promotion. <laughs> so I want you to email them after we're done here and ask them if they want to uh, sponsor As soon as this us. comes out, I'll, I'll, link, I'll send them a link, see what I can do. Absolutely. All right. How about you, Stephanie? What T-shirt are you wearing? Um, I am wearing a shirt that says Nirvana, but it's actually a picture of Hanson. Have you seen those? <laughs> no. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so in middle school, well, it started in elementary school. I had probably what could be considered an unhealthy obsession with Hanson. Like there is still fanfic that I wrote that's like on a, no. some a random angel fire page somewhere. So yeah, I'm represent. My friend got me this this year. Uh, whenever my whenever I released my first single, just as like a a little gift and I love it. I wear it all the time. <laughs> gotcha. I don't know if I want to admit this because Wayne's going to probably take away my man card if I do. But, um, back, back in, what was it? 2004. I think it was when I was still writing reviews for a now defunct website. There was a promotion guy who was always hooking me up with really cool concert tickets and then one time he hit me up and he said, hey, I really need your help. Can you do a concert review of Hanson? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of felt indebted to him because he had just gotten me tickets to, I don't even remember who he got me tickets, Big Ed Todd and the Monsters, I think it was. And uh, so I was like, uh, yeah, okay. So I talked one of my friends into going with me. So, you know, we're we're both mid thirties at that point, I think oldest people there. We totally stuck out <laughs> because, because a, the oldest we men the, there, that's for sure. We were the oldest <laughs> men there and, and B we were, we were not with our girlfriends or well, we were hetero. So, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So it was, it was actually, they're very talented. I will say that. I yes, I know. They they really really are and I remember I had to defend them in middle school. Like I had little I had posters of them hanging up in my little We didn't have lockers at my school. It was more like a cubby hole. So like I was a fierce defender of Hanson. Um and Yeah. Yeah, it's it, there are some people that are still like super hardcore to this day. 
Um, I'll go see them. You know, if they come through town, I go and see them. Um, but there you go. thankfully I'm not on the same level as I was whenever I was 13 anymore. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I still remember the byline that I did for it. I w- it was where the boys aren't a review of Hanson. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, um, I am, uh, I'm wearing probably my new favorite shirt. So it's replaced my ships have sailed shirt, Wayne. So my, my Neil Young harvest, that, that, that t-shirt I've been wearing it uh, at least once a week. So can't go, can't go wrong there. No, no, absolutely not. Can't go wrong with some harvest. Nope. All right. Um, so Stephanie, so one of your for- one of our former guests, Ken Yates, he shared your song pretty on his socials. So of course I had to check it out and I fell in love with the song. So really I have to thank Ken for having you on. Cause then I was like, Oh, maybe I should, look up Stephanie and, and see if she wants to be on our podcast. And then I find out that, uh, your, your PR person has been hooking us up with a bunch of, of guests. So I was, I just reached out to her and I was like, Hey, um, do you think Stephanie would be into this? So that's awesome. I, I didn't know that. That's great. I didn't know that part of it, but that's, I love that. That's, that's awesome. So do you know Ken? You know, I don't know him. We both uh, use the same uh, company that's like distributing our music. We're both on Tone Tree, but okay. I discovered him. He's been like my favorite new discovery of 2020. Um, just following Tone Tree, they were sharing a bunch of new songs that were out on one random Friday. And I clicked on his and I was like, holy cow, this guy is amazing. So I... You know, I've had his record "Quiet Talkers" on repeat in my personal life, and I tell every, all of my friends I'm like quoting his songs, and I think he's awesome. He's like, but I haven't met him yet. I hope to one day. Okay, yeah, I, I was I was going to say "Quiet Talkers" has been on constant repeats for for me as well. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not sure if it's going to be my top record of the year, Wayne, because. Uh, He's got some competition with Jason Isbell's Ugh. new record, um, Fiona Apple's new record, which I play the crap out of. Um, how about what? Well, what are some other records that you've been playing a lot during this pandemic to kind of get you through it? Oh goodness, um, I've been doing a little bit of Phoebe Bridger's new record, um, not as much as I as I would like to. I've, I've listened to a little bit of Fiona Apple. Goodness. And honestly, I've been so much in my own, like releasing music mode that I haven't been listening as much as I would like to. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just my honest answer. But Ken, Ken is my number one. Like, that's who I've really been consistently playing. Well, we're we're OK with you giving a little extra pub for for Ken. So <laughs> we, we, love him. We, we love him here. So. All right. Well, b- well, back to back to the song that uh, got me hooked. So pretty. Um, as a father of a young woman, songs like that kind of break my heart and I'm hoping that it doesn't come from a personal place, but I'm expecting that it does. Is that, is that correct? It definitely does. Yes. I know. I know. So, so, so for the listeners tell us what, what, uh, some of the lyrics, uh, or the, the premise of, of pretty is. Well, you know, after, it's it's 
pretty much a song. I don't know. I'm sure many of us in the listening realm have spent some time in therapy, but I learned about my inner child and I kind of wrote this song for my inner child, like eight year old Stephanie, you know, um, it had always kind of hung around in my mind. Um, a couple painful experiences. Like the first verse is it was my fifth grade Christmas pageant. I went up to read my passage like that. That's what happened. Um, I, I started laughing during my scripture reading. And then after I was done, we went, you know, we got our little bags. It was the Christmas Eve service. We got our little bags of candy and went down to the basement where our parents would come pick us up. But, and then in the basement, a couple eighth grade boys, cornered me and told me they're like, Hey, fat girl, you ruined everything. And, um, yeah, it was, it was awful. Um, and I remember just crying and like, that's one of the things that seared into my being, you know, that painful experience. And I think like, you know, as I've gotten older, just seeing the importance and acknowledging that, um, it has been healing for me. And yeah, with every part of that song is biographical, autobiographical. Yeah. yeah. Jun- junior high kids are the worst. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it was my fifth grade Christmas pageant. I went up to read my passage. Got the giggles, the kind that you can't stop. I crept to my seat face as red as boys are mean he said hey fat girl you ruined everything wipe the tears off my glasses on my velvet Christmas dress and I wondered if I'd ever be pretty watch the mirror balls spin Hopes were high, but I was shy, and he was a cool kid. My best friend asked him to ask me to dance. He said, I can't, she's too fat, and he just laughed. I pretended not to cry by the free throw. Yeah, and having having dealt with that with uh, you know with children and Wayne, you've dealt with that as well. I'm sure your your girls have been scarred by bullies as well. Yeah, that yeah, I have three daughters. Um, they're older now, but yeah, the, I one thing I, I did love pretty. I loved. I only listened to the four songs on Spotify, but I, what I absolutely loved about Stephanie's songwriting is like. And Jason Isabel, you know, it was the, the first thing I thought of when we talked about Elephant before. And a, it's a common theme, but no one sings about it. And like, I thought, fine, where you're referencing, you know, these things that are socially like people expect you to have kids and get married. And what if that isn't, you know, what if what if you don't want to do that and how you how you are going to be perceived? And even I, I absolutely love Little White Lie um, and Mr. Wonderful, I thought was incredible because you show all these little red flags, like the song progresses from 
from the yeah. beginning to the end, but there's there's these subtle like red flags. Everybody just goes from, you know what, it was always it was so great. And then he started hitting me. And that that transition through I thought was I thought was absolutely brilliant. I loved I loved what I heard. Oh, thank you. I, I was just gonna say you you tackle a bunch of weighty subjects on on the record. So you know, pretty and Mr. Wonderful about domestic abuse and religion and death and um do you write happy songs <laughs> um fine is my happiest song on the record okay so okay no I, you know i would i was about to joke that like i got all my happy songs out whenever i wrote on music row but i'm sure my publishers would tell you that that was not the case so i don't know yeah, let's yeah let let so let's uh, let's go back because um, we we just started with your with your new record so we haven't really talked about your journey of of getting there so you're originally from Seymour Indiana did I read that correctly Yes that is correct And Wayne you know who else is from Seymour I Indiana. absolutely one of my favorite <laughs> artists of all time Mr John Mellencamp Yes. So, so, um, what was it like growing up in Indiana, where John Mellencamp is, you know, a, a a hero of everyone? What, what, what else were you listening to besides John? Um, well, I grew up. My dad likes to joke I couldn't help it, like the kind of music that I like. But I grew up on Patty Griffin. Well, as that may be no shock, um, Gillian Welch, um, Buddy Miller. I grew up on all of like that kind of Americana, um, just a total Americana vibe, you know, a lot of folk music, but that was like mostly what was played in my house. Like I saw Gillian Welch play when I was like 10 in Bloomington, Indiana, you know, just, it was amazing. Such a cool experience. So when did Nashville come into play then? Well, whenever, so I started singing when I was like 15 um, and my dad heard me and was kind of like, Ooh, she's got some talent. So I started singing at a bunch of country music shows in Southern Indiana, kind of like the Grand Ole Opry, but like not that big. Um, there'd be a house band and you'd come and you'd sing maybe five or six country cover songs. So I did that a lot. And then in doing that, people kept telling me, Oh, you got to go to Nashville for blah, blah, blah. So we met, we met, it's actually a guy I referenced in pretty a guy in the music industry. And that's kind of what, uh, you know, he had big plans for me, um, for $50,000 for a music video, I remember. So that's kind of what got me to Nashville, but through various connections with him, I ended up meeting a vocal coach. So I came down to Nashville about once a month for voice lessons in high school and then through my vocal coach, I heard about Belmont University. And so that's really what Belmont is what brought me to Nashville, going to school gotcha. there. So I, I got the I got a music business degree. Okay. Yeah. We striking matches went to Belmont as well, right? I believe so, yes. Wayne, do you recall? I didn't know them. I I'm trying uh, I don't know if I'm it trying was. to remember. I don't think it, I think it was another. I thought the school. I don't think the school was in okay. Nashville. It was a music college, but I don't think right. it was in I'm Nashville. A, I'm, I may be misremembering. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't know them in college, but that doesn't. I mean, I also graduated a decade ago, and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, they're they're not super young either. So uh, yeah. 
Um, all right. <laughs> no, it probably didn't. It's not. It's not meant to be a slight. I mean, look, I was, I was, I was about ready to rag on myself when I said I misremember. You know, because I am a fifty-year-old dude and I forget crap all the time. So, anyways, yeah. So graduate from Belmont, and then you're writing. You're writing for other people. A little bit. Uh, I I actually made my first record my senior year of high school. Or sorry, wow, senior year of college. I made my my first record. Okay. And uh, back when MySpace was cool, someone posted my MySpace link to a BBC Radio Two message board, and um, there was a good response. And so the moderator messaged me and. I emailed him. He asked for a couple of songs. I emailed him a couple of songs. And that weekend I was played on um, BBC Radio 2 on Bob Harris's program. So that kind of opened up a door to the UK and touring over there. So I made a record, toured a little bit, but honestly, like, I don't think I was ready for the art. I don't think I had my artistic vision yet. So I kind of put that, I, I mean, I was 23 so I put that on hold and I mean, not really consciously, but I did put it on hold and then pursued the music row thing. So what, what is that like where the songwriters are there on, on music row? Are they, do you have more people there that are just wanting to pursue the songwriting aspect? Cause they don't want to be the, the, you know, the, the lead singer, so to speak, or do you have kind of a little bit of a mixture of they're hoping that once they kind of write a few big songs and they be, they can become like a Chris Stapleton and do their own thing and hopefully make it big? I think there's definitely a mixture. I would say 60-40, maybe 70-30, like more like the larger number being the more writer focused than artist. Okay. okay. Yeah. But there's definitely probably more 70 30 if you really get down to it yeah all right so do we know any of the songs that you you may have written while you were on the row um probably not (laughs) 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 i'm just gonna guess well you know i had some songs on the show nashville okay uh so there might be i had like four songs on that um terry clark a uh, huge c- female country singer. Yeah. She did. A, she recorded a song I wrote with my friend Aaron Enderlin, um, "Hometowns, Funerals, and Empty Hotel Bars." But my most played song was actually a song I wrote with Caroline Spence, um, and it's called "All the Beds I've Made." We love Caroline. Uh, she's awesome, isn't she? She's, she's the yeah, best. She is. She's she is so good. Um, but yeah, sh- her. We we wrote that song and slow dancer together, but all the beds I've made has been on like a bunch of the acoustic version has been on a bunch of Spotify playlists. So that one's gotten a lot of traction. Very good. We, we have to credit Caroline with giving us a little extra clout. There were, there were, there were really two guests that we had on when we first started having guests on at the beginning of, of 2019. So there was Doug Gillard from guided by voices gave us clout in the indie the indie music world because Doug's just amazing. And then Caroline. And as soon as we had both of them on and I would, I would send, you know, request out to, to, to management firms and they're like, Oh, you've had Caroline and Doug. 
<laughs> so, um, anyway, I don't care. You go, go ahead and tell her. We, we want Caroline to come back at some point. So, Oh, I'm going to tell her so hard. Okay. <laughs> She's great. She's one of our favorites. All right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so last, last question about your, uh, about your record. So my favorite song on it is Birdsong Hollow. Really? Wow. Well, I'm listening to the song ahead of ahead of its release, so I don't have the lyrics. So maybe if you tell me about the lyrics of the song, maybe that'll change because I am a lyrics guy. <laughs> so what what's what's the uh, what's the, the 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 song about? So there is this place about 20 minutes from uh, from my my townhouse. It's it's called Birdsong Hollow, and it's on the Natchez Trace, which is like you know a historical highway here in Tennessee that goes down through Mississippi. Um, but there's this beautiful bridge and I love to just take afternoon drives or evening drives and listen to music. And so I'll, a lot of times I'll drive out to this bridge and there's always been a sign there that haunted me. Even read the sign Call anytime There's still He paced over the valley And he thought about his mother Would she know there was nothing she could do? Would she always wonder? All those haunted voices they got too loud He took a leap of There's, there was a sign. It, it, they t- they've taken it down now, but it was like, it's it's not too late. There's still hope. You can call. So I looked into it, and um, that bridge is has some of the most suicide deaths in the country, oh. which is crazy. Here I was thinking it was a happier so. song. Okay. <laughs> did you listen to it? <laughs> I, I, I did, but like I said, I don't, I don't, I didn't have the lyrics, so I was like, oh, it's a really beautiful song. So <laughs> it's like the saddest one on the record. Uh, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. And Wayne, have you noticed that recently when I when I tell guests, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite song in the record, and they're like, what? <laughs> Yes, that, that has happened a couple times. It's, it's happened a couple times, and I'm just like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not supposed to like that song? Was that a, was that a filler song? I, so, anyways, no, definitely not for my record. Not a filler song, but definitely like probably the sad, the saddest one. Yeah, that's the album closer, right? Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. So once once the record does come out and I have the lyrics, then. Maybe I'm going to cry when, when I listen to it. So, but, uh, all right, Wayne, any, anything else, uh, for, for Stephanie before we dive into the record that she chose? No, other than, um, 
it was, was a great choice. But uh, like I say, from the songs that I heard, I'm I'm excited to listen to the new record because I, I like I like your songwriting, like tackling taking tackling tough issues, or issues that aren't aren't really discussed a lot in the in the light of day. I think that that is very that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's what I love to write. All right. So, Stephanie, tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Okay. I chose Patty Griffin, 1000 Kisses. All right. Um, so, I, I, I usually try and give a little bit of bio info on the record that uh, that our, our guests have, have chosen. So, this will probably open up some conversation because... If you go to Wikipedia, it says Thousand Kisses is the third studio album by Patty Griffin. And I, w- mm-hmm. I want to change it because it's, <laughs> it's technically, yeah, it's the third album released, right? Because it was released yes. in April right. 2002, but Silver Bell was recorded before this one. Right. It's the fourth al- It's the fourth work that she recorded. Yeah. And yeah, and um, Wayne, you realize that we've done more Patty Griffin episodes than any other artist. I have realized that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we did we did an episode. One of our earlier episodes was Silver Bell. We did that with uh, Orlando artist Hannah Harbor. Hannah Harbor. Um, and then uh, when you were on hiatus. Uh, where were you when when we did the last patty? Um, I believe I was on vacation. Yeah, so we we did Living, living with Vegas. Ghosts as well. You go on vacation too much, I think. I you know, <laughs> I, I earned it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so so this is technically the third album release, but Silver Bell was recorded before this one, but it didn't see the light of day until October of 2013. Right. Do you do you guys kind of know the story? Maybe Stephanie, you you're a, a Patty fan, so maybe you know the whole story of why um, this one got released prior to Silver Bell. You know, maybe you could refresh my memory. You might be a little bit uh, more refreshed than I am. Yeah. So so technically, she made four records for A and M. They only released two of them. They were kind of going through. Um, some some label drama because they were getting acquired by trying to remember if they were acquired by Polygram first and then sold to Universal or was it Universal then no it had to have been Polygram first right yeah I don't I think Polygram's gone yeah because I because then I think it was Universal and then Universal was getting merged with. I don't even remember who they were getting merged in with, but um, needless to say, they were just looking to release records that they thought could make them money. And I think they heard Silver Bell and were like, mm, yeah, the, the rock thing's not really your thing. Mm-hmm. Which, look, we, we did an episode on it. We love that record, don't we, Wayne? Yeah, I thought it was absolutely her thing. Yeah. So, um, so then I guess she gets released out of her her um, her contract with A&M. She goes to ATO, which is uh, owned by Dave Matthews. Does he still own that? Is that still a thing? ATO Records? 
I think so, because I think her, I can't remember. I, I'm not sure. I don't know all the label stuff. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm indie. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so she decided um, that uh, maybe she just needs to strip it down. And I think she accepted, um, you know, Doug Lancio's invitation to record in, in his home studio, which Doug's amazing. Like I've, I've already gushed on how much I, I love Doug. He, he played the last time I saw John Hyatt, which was probably a decade ago now, but Doug was his guitarist for that night. And he is just an underrated guitarist in his own right. Um, so she cut all of the tracks for a thousand kisses there at Doug's studio um, which we'll talk about the the one song that she got uh, essentially talked into playing, I guess the the the, the Spanish speaking song that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. This is what I found found interesting on this record, and maybe you guys can chime in here. So I found it interesting that there are three songs on this record that are not written by Patty. But if you look at the previous two records, and if you count Silver Bell as a third, all of the songs are solely written by Patty, with the exception of What You Are on Silver Bell. That was not written by Patty. But for all of the other songs on those three records, it's all Patty. So is it interesting that she would do a couple covers, a couple extra covers on this particular record? I think so. I mean, it to me, as someone that prefers to write by myself, and, and I've heard that about her, I think she does more co-writing now, but um, I think she was just looking to kind of like shake it up creatively. That's what I'm guessing. And I, I think it's really cool because, I mean, I love, well, I get, we'll get to it later, but I love her takes especially on, you know, on, um, stolen car. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think it was just like a way to stay fresh. Yeah. You kind of get tired of your own chords and your, you know, your own progressions, your own melodies, all of that. I think it, it's good for your inspiration. Do you think that this was, um, considering that this came on the heels of her doing silver bell, which is more of a, a rocking type record, this kind of gets her back to her roots. This kind of gets back to a living with ghosts kind of feel though. Correct. I think so. And I read and, you know, revisiting this record, ha 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 (laughs) with the title, (laughs) but the last, over the last weekend in reading about it, I read that some fans were like angry about her electric, you know, about flaming red. They didn't feel like it was her at all. Now I will say whenever I first listened to, Flaming Red, when I knew her as an acoustic artist, I didn't get it as much, but now I freaking love it, you know? So, but it was interesting to to me to read that some fans were like, oh, that was a step back. This is the real Patty. But I think it's all like, all of it was an important part of her process. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Any other bio info that we want to share before we go track by track? Wayne, you got anything? No, I don't. All right. 
let's jump into it. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Ten. Which means top song's going to get ten points. Nick's favorite, nine points on down to lowest score of one. So let's kick this off. Here's Rain. My, my notes here are perfectly constructed song. And what I like about this record, uh, with the exception of a few things, few songs, which I'll, which I'll point out, but I feel like each of the parts of the, the, the instruments are not overpowering. Whether it's the violin, whether it's the guitar, I think there's an accordion in this song. They all seem to fit very well together like there's there's not a whole lot of overpowering where you go oh doug's trying to show off here or something like that no and to it like i said i think i gosh i couldn't agree more on how well it's constructed because it that first verse it because i think this is the best way i think of all the songs this is the best one to put first it it has a very like it's representative of of everything but the, the thing that she does musically in it is that first verse is it's very ominous and dark. And it's and then just I want to say it's right after just before what would I would I would consider the chorus. It kind of starts to lift and get a little more, I don't know, positive for, for lack of a better word. But then it gets to that later on before it does the the third I think the verse, the third, or the chorus, the third time, and it gets like epic. She adds some the accordion and some of the other instrumentation to really get it soaring, and then it just drops off, and it's almost just her and the guitar mm-hmm. and a little bit of violin to float it out. Like musically, she really, and that's just—I mean, if you listen to the song without even without any words, you would almost get what she was trying to say. I totally agree. And I have a special connection to this song because this is the first of Patty Griffin that I ever heard. Um, We used to go to Barnes and Noble and my dad would love to go into the, you know, he'd love to explore the new music. And so we were in Bloomington, Indiana at the Barnes and Noble and her CD was featured. And I remember him saying, Hey, you got to listen to this. And it was rain and I wanted to not like anything that he tried to push on me, but I couldn't help it, you know? And that's like the magic of the song. And then ever since then, I've been a hardcore Patty Griffin fan, you know? But sonically, it is everything. It just, it, it draws you in. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, and it's a great first song as well. Mm-hmm. So one question that I've got when in the chorus, when she's saying, but I'm holding on underneath this shroud and then she, you know, then she goes into rain. Do we only interpret the shroud as an umbrella or is there another meaning to that? 
Uh, it's definitely protection because I mean, to me, this song is the key to this song is that that verse where she says um, it's hard to know when to give up the fight. Some things you will you want will just never be right. It never rained like it has tonight before. Like that's the moment she realizes that this relationship isn't going to be what she wants it to be. Yeah. Not she never answers the question whether she's okay with that, but she has come to that realization. And the shroud is definitely protecting her from the rain, at least why she makes that decision. But that's what I'm saying is lyrically, even it 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 just like I have so much scores remorse on this one because I I think there's so many things about it to love. And like I say, the lyrics of this song, the story she's telling, the way she starts it out with that that hard heart pounding next to mine, like and not you know not was it against pounding up against the stone and steel walls that I won't climb it's not like I mean when you listen to it and you get like an interpretation of it, it's not because she's not strong enough or that she's not you know she's got too much pride it's that she doesn't know that this that maybe this isn't what you're supposed to do you're not supposed to have to work so hard for somebody to love you and I there's just so much in this song yeah. lyrically and musically all right let's get some scores so um Wayne, since you've got scores or more, so I'll let you go first. Uh, five. All right, Stephanie. I gave it a 10. Yeah. Lay the gauntlet down. There you go. It deserves it. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is my nine. This is, it's, it's a great song. All right. Next song is Chief. Definitely a songwriter story type song. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Well, and, and I agree, but, but I guess my biggest criticism of this song is that the, 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 this title character seems so interesting, but there's not enough. It's not enough said about him. Like I, I appreciate how she compares, you know, this, this veteran with mental health issues to her hamster wheel life. And I, I think that's a great, a concept, but I don't hear enough about either one of them. And then Jesus gets thrown in at the end, which I and I didn't. Where did where that come from? <laughs> is that is that the point though that she's talking about this person that is such a mystery to her? I don't think it doesn't seem like he's a mystery. I think I feel like she has him figured out, and she knows more about Chief than she's letting on. And I, that that to me was like. I felt like, and I think there is also something, because this has a real uh, bluegrass kind of a, a, a feel to it, and it goes by real quick. It's like almost like she didn't have enough, she didn't leave enough time. It's only, I think, three and a half minutes. She didn't have enough time to tell us all that there was to tell. And I, so I guess I felt, I felt empty. I felt like there was more. I, I wanted to hear more about Chief. Maybe she's waiting for the concept record about Chief. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Stephanie, what do you got on Chief? 
Okay. It's really interesting that you bring that up, Wayne, because I had the same thoughts without fleshing them out that, that much. Um, I would love to hear more about him. Maybe we need like a chief number two to like, you know, to elaborate more on his story. But like Benjamin said, I like, I do also like the mystery woven in there. It it lets you guess a little bit. Um, there's something about, uh, I love the line where she said, just watching myself in some play, or she said, I don't really know what I'm doing. Just watching myself in some play. And the actress looks like she wants to go home and lie in a bed all day. I freaking love that. Like, I just think that's such an interesting perspective to have to like, take a step back and look at yourself. So I, I like the, I like that you have to put the story together a little bit. And I also would like to know more about chief. <laughs> right, right. Very, um, my, my notes here say very Dylan-esque and very folkish, especially when she employs the, uh, like in the first verse where she ends the, the verse with until the soles of his feet turn black, till the soles of his feet turn black. Like the repeating of the lines, I don't know, is it folkish? Is it Dylan-esque? Is it country? Which, is it all of them? Yeah, I don't know if they're not all synonymous, but yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. Yeah. All right. And uh, and the the one thing that I really liked uh, as far as her the way that she put together the structure of this song is that there's a there's a definite change to the ending part. I, I don't I don't and I'm not even sure I don't write songs. Maybe Stephanie can chime in here, but there there's de- a definite change towards the end of the the song where yeah I don't know it it. There, there's no longer the course, the the verse, chorus, verse type of of uh, play. Yeah, there's like a bridge section where she kind of steps away from the grind of the daily life and you know where she wants to be. I think that's a beautiful thing. It takes you out of the moment, and I mean sonically, musically, it does that too. Yeah. It, it offers a little bit of, I guess, a glimmer of hope. And then it takes you back down to like the, you know, the current moment. Right. And then she talks about chief again and we're all, you know, depressed again. And Jesus once. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, that, and that too. All right. Um, all right. Let's get some scores. This is my five. Wayne. Uh, three. And then Stephanie. It's my eight. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, next song, Stolen Car. In the end, it was something more ragged. Tore us apart and made us weak. I'm driving a stolen car down on Eldridge Avenue. And yeah, this is the, uh, the the Bruce cover. It was originally released on his record, "The River," which uh, this is one of my favorite songs on the on the river. Um, 
but I, I had the benefit of seeing everybody's scores and I'm and I'm gonna give Wayne a little bit of crap because usually covers don't fare as well in our yeah. scores, but, but listen to this though. And hear me out. Okay, because I want to hear you out. You know what? Not many people can not many people cover Bruce Springsteen songs, and I and I honestly from this song, I I mean, I think I, I know why. It's because Bruce puts this, I mean, there's this dark inner depression, you know, desperation in, in this song. And most people can't, she completely convey, like when I heard this, I was like, this is either a Bruce Springsteen song or the best Bruce Springsteen song he never wrote. Like I, it is buried on the river on the end of, you know, the first side of the second record. So I, I definitely missed it somewhere, but I recognize it as a Bruce Springsteen song with, without that knowledge. And, but she's able to capture that. And I don't, most people can't get down into that. I mean, and we all know Bruce Springsteen has never, it's not like his life was, you know, a terrible, you know, tragedy after tragedy. He, he somehow finds a way to get in there and, and make you feel it. And like I say, the only other cover that I could think of that anybody did any, any justice to was Highway Patrolman. And that's Johnny Cash. You're lucky if you ever sing the song again after Johnny Cash sings it. Right, right. I I kind of love uh, record two of the river more than I like record one, so because it has drive all night, which is my favorite Springsteen song. I like how she didn't change the words. I thought a lot of times when people do a song that's from a different gender perspective, they'll change the you know he she to try to to make it fit them, and she just sang it like almost like out of respect for the man who wrote it. And I, I appreciated that also, but I love how she, she got into this, into that character and, and you could hear it in her voice. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she completely sells it and I'm having scorer's remorse because ever since I like submitted my scores, I've been like, I've been playing this on my guitar and singing it and getting more and more into it. Um, but gosh, I think this is a beautiful song and it, like it's, and I think she does it really well. I've listened, I've gone back and listened to his version because I mean, she was the first hearing this whenever I was 15, 16, like she was the first version of this song that I heard. Yeah. Um, and so it was interesting to revisit his version. Like, oh, well, the original. Um, and I think she does it beautifully and she really captures the emotion. And I, I too love that she does not change the pronouns or, you know, she doesn't change, change the words. And I think that's, I try, now I try to do that if I'm ever covering. I mean, I try not to change if I'm ever covering yeah, something. I thought it was interesting because the lyric is, I met a little girl and I settled down. So and I, she didn't change another Another interesting thing that I've read when I was looking at, at stuff today is that so apparently Stolen Car, Bruce Springsteen recorded it very quickly. And I think he recorded it the day after he recorded Hungry Heart. And a and a critic had a a theory or at least, you know, this this notion that it was a continuation of that of that same individual. And because there is some lines, and I looked in the lyrics about, you know, well, we fell in love and I knew it had to end, and and we had we looked what we had and we ripped it apart. Like there's you it's almost like it could be like that is a very like romantic way to think of it as this. That's the same guy from the Kingstown bar. He's out at night, you know, 
driving around in stolen cars. Just, I mean, that whole idea of wanting to get caught and arrested just to know that you exist. It's just uh, only the boss can do that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You realize we haven't done another Bruce episode ever since Caroline. Bringing it back to Caroline. We haven't done it. We, we thought we were. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a whole <laughs> We had a cancellation <laughs> on us, and we're still a little bitter about that. Um, I get that. People are so flaky these days. <laughs> yeah, we had two two reschedules. Well, we one reschedule and one cancellation with the, his manager told us, maybe. I'm like, whatever, maybe. But, uh, oh. So, anyways. Um. I'm probably going to edit this part out because I don't want people thinking. <laughs> Fair. All right. It doesn't add. No. All right. Uh, let's get some scores. Let's get some scores. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, this is my number nine. Wow. Okay. Stephanie? Uh, I wish it's number four. I'd probably redo it, but four for me. Okay. And this is my four just on principle because it's a cover. But it, it probably should be as uh, high as a nine because it is, it is really good. It really is. But on, just on principle, yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song, Making Pies. And his Italian girl One Sunday at the shore We tied our ribbons to the fire escape We were taken by Walking the block to table talk. You could cry or die or just make pies all day. Stephanie, get us started on making pies. What what do you love about this song? I love that it is just like it incorporates the day to day to this like wistful remembrance. Um, I love here we are with Jesus again once, <laughs> but I love like. That, that she's talking about a painting, you know, you know, it's a painting, but she's not saying I'm looking at like, it's just the way that you get the picture without her spoon feeding it to you. You know, she, she paints it in a totally different way. And it, this song just feels so like my grandma or a great aunt is talking to me, you know? Yeah. Do, do you get the the from the description of Jesus? I'm pretty sure oh, I, I know. I totally thought it was backhanded. Do, do you? Because I I kind of get the feeling that it's it's one of those, um, you know, the 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 freebie uh, Jesus pictures that you would get at Sunday school. Oh, I would. I I <laughs> that's what absolutely I'm... every painting I've seen and every time I've been to church, and I always find it funny that people from the Middle East don't look like that. <laughs> I'm totally picturing like generic Jesus picture, you know, yeah. definitely. But, but, but Wayne, you see it as kind of like, I just, well, cause this conceptually, this, the, I, what I love about this song is that she makes me, she makes me think of, um, 
Hello in there by John Prine and Eleanor Rigby by the mm. Beatles. Like she, not like it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't just, she, she makes me want to go listen to those two songs also. Like conceptually, they're the same idea, this, this older person that's a little bit isolated, but I love this lady because she's not, she hasn't given up. Like if, if I'm just going to make pies all day, then that's bad. You know, there's I think a line towards the end. You could cry or die or make pies. Like this is what it is. She still remembers things fondly and some things not so fondly. And she still has relationships and maybe even a little thing for the priest. I mean, she's, uh, she's still, but it's life. I mean, it, and she is old and she's gray and she, she's okay with that. And like, but this whole, you know, the, the isolation of like, of, the elderly and uh, it, that's captured in those other songs. She, Patty Griffin has a whole nother take that I think puts this song would be at least in a conversation with those songs. Those songs are pretty much canon. They're out They're They're, they're off limits, but this one, this one rightfully belongs at least in the conversation. Yeah. And did she use pies because you can't really rhyme anything with donuts? <laughs> She's, She's she's she does she plays a dangerous game with rhyming and she does it and she comes out on top almost yeah. every time. So I will give her that. Usually Moon Spoon June can get redundant and but she has a different way of doing it especially in another song that I think she absolutely kills it. Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores. We'll start with Stephanie. Your score. This one was my 9. Okay. And then Wayne yeah, this is another hard scores remorse. I gave it a six. All right, and this is my seven. All right, next song is Be Careful. All the girls on the telephones All the girls standing all alone All the girls sitting on the watch One by one flying to the fire Be careful Well, as a father of three daughters, this song has a very strong sentimental pull. Um, there, it may have its flaws, but I think what she she says what she says is so powerful. But yet she says it so effortlessly, like almost she just keeps throwing out. It's just one one similar line after another describing all of these all the girls, the rich girls, the poor girls, the girls who are being abused the little girls, the prostitutes, everybody, like all of these girls. Um, and you do have to be careful on how you treat them. I mean, there's still a glass ceiling. There's still a wage gap for all, for as far as we come, you know, there's still, it's, it's still got to, it's tough. And then the way you treat them, the way you bend them and is, is going to, is, is going to have an effect on everybody and all of them. Uh, you're and you're referring to the lyric of "Be careful how you bend me," which is great. Yes. Stephanie, what do you got on this one? Well, as a writer, I love that. I love all the repetition because I feel like that makes me pay attention to the rest of the line. Um, I love all the girls, all the girls, all the girls. There's something kind of entrancing about that. So, just as a writer, I love that style. 
Uh, and she, and it never, for me, it's never too much. It's like, she changes, she changes the format just whenever you need to. But I mean, this is like the ultimate female vulnerability song. And I think it's beautiful. And, uh, yeah. Just all all the different characters that she touches on. It it feels like it includes everybody. Yeah, and and sonically, I, I love the accordion. It's just right for this song. Especially when you're you're starting the song off talking about all the girls in the Paris night. It just fits that mood. Like I can I can kind of transport myself where I'm sitting in a cafe in France somewhere. With that accordion. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's uh, sonically, it's it's uh, it's fantastic. Um. All right. Anything else? Do we get scores or you got anything else to add? No, no, like I say, other than like I say, she by using that first part and and leaving that the same, she it's almost like she's gonna make sure you don't miss it. Is what is the way it felt to me? Like, but not in a heavy handed way. It, she, with such, like I say, such a such a strong message, such an important message. Like she's not talking to men. She's, I feel like she's talking to society in general and, and she does it in this, in this very seamlessly effortless way where at the end of this, everybody, you, you can't miss her point. And it, it was done just so well. I agree. Scores, Stephanie. Six for me. Wayne. A seven. And this is my six. All right, next song is Long Ride Home. How hard would it have been to say some kind of words instead? I wonder as I stare at the sky turning red. I've had some time to think about and watch the sun sink like a stone. I've had some time to think about you all along. Wayne, you realize that we almost talked about this song at some point. And you know what's funny is I, <laughs> I, I have of my one of my ex-wives loves Elizabeth Town, and not only she loves yep. the movie, she loves the soundtrack. And so when I heard this song the first time, I was like, I thought did because Patty Griffin doesn't get played on the radio. I thought somebody Carrie Underwood or somebody must have covered this because I know I've heard this and not like once, like I've heard this a hundred times. And so. <laughs> When I when I started, you know, as I'm digging in, I do, I've been listening to it for a couple of weeks, and I actually today went into Wikipedia to see, and I right, it just hit me like Elizabethtown. That's why I've heard this so many times. This is the reason that I I like Ryan Adams, and this is the reason that I heard my father's first gun by or my father's gun by Elton John. Like I listened to that soundtrack at uh, I've a hundred times, and so is I've I have a lot of familiarity with this song. I totally forgot that this was in Elizabethtown. That's that's how I discovered Ryan Adams. Um, Come pick me up, oh, right? Was in Elizabethtown. Yeah. Yep. And this yeah, is a very important I mean. song in that movie. Like this is on the the ride back from the from the graveside, I believe. Yeah, I appear. I probably you know I'm not the best at remembering things in movies, which I'm not proud of. But that's just how it is. But I I'd, I'd known this song for a while, for at least a few years before that, probably. But yeah. I should go back and watch it. This is making me want to, want to go back and watch. And yes. I've only watched the movie once, but I have listened to the soundtrack 1,000 times. Yes. <laughs> it's not a great movie. 
Uh, there's <laughs> okay. There there are some there are some really good moments in it, and there's some really just cringeworthy moments in there. Uh, My Susan suspicion Sarandon was that trying. we watched it because of Orlando Bloom. I believe is probably <laughs> he probably did. Yeah, um, that seems like a good reason. I, I will apologize to you guys. So um, the lyrics that I sent you also, my my oldest son helps me with the lyrics for our guests. And sometimes they're right. And other times he um, gets it wrong. So he titled this song as Long Road. <laughs> I saw that. I don't know if you noticed that or <laughs> I, not. And, I noticed and, it late. And the lyrics for Stolen Car were incorrect as well. There were some there were some wrong lyrics in that. All right, um, why don't we actually talk about the song instead of movies? Um, I, <laughs> Wayne, what what do you think of the lyric? I want to see since you're you're the overanalyzer of of uh, the two of us, uh, which is really funny for me to say that. Um, but the lyric of "One day I took your tiny hand, put your finger in the wedding band." I'm not sure if I'm reading I, too much into that lyric, but when you mention to a man about his tiny fingers or tiny hands, you're really talking but about I absolutely, something else. I absolutely underlined it because I think that, and I also underlined, I threw my rose down, roses down, like not tossed them in or laid them down, like threw them down and then made fun of his tiny hands. Like there is a, I think a lot of these songs, there's, there's kind of a two sides of the story that she's, um, in most cases. And in this one, it's, yeah, we had a long marriage, but we didn't always have, a, it wasn't always a good marriage. There were, but that doesn't mean that she's not lonely now that he's gone. I mean, it's definitely, she's going over all these, this, all these 40 years in this three and a half minutes. And I think that's one of my, my favorite parts about the song and her as a songwriter is that she, she packed this whole life into this car ride and uh, home run, knocked it out I, I, as well as you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, what do you got on this one? Well, it's interesting. See, I always have seen this song as written from the perspective of a man because of the tiny hand song. I thought that was just another one of, you know, oh, her okay. writing it from a different perspective. Yeah. I've always seen it like that. So now you're like... <laughs> changing my whole oh. life <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> no my mind my mind's blown at that uh, at that concept okay keep going yeah i mean i always pictured it as written from a male perspective um and just kind of like wishing you know like the stereotypical male not being present you know and you know i'm not saying that's always the case or even most of the times the case but just kind of wishing that you know, how hard would it have been to say some kinder words instead? You know, I, I just, I've always pictured it from the male perspective, kind of thinking about it after it was too late. Interesting. Yeah, okay. it, just, it just blew my mind. Just flipped a switch. <laughs> mine, mine too. Like, I'm, I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> Need to finish it up right here. Um, no, that's great. Uh, there's, there's so much to unpack on this song. It's great. Um, so this is my top score. I, w I wasn't tainted by Elizabeth town for this. <laughs> so, uh, your score, Wayne, uh, eight. I, I wasn't tainted by it either. It actually just had given me, uh, gave me a chance to listen to this song more times. There you go. And then Stephanie, uh, seven for me. 
All right. Next song is Nobody's Crying. In an envelope, side is cold. It's a chain I wore around my throat. Along with a note I wrote. Said I love you, but I don't even know why. Darling, I wish you well On your way to the wishing well Swinging off of those gates of hell But I can tell how hard you're trying And over the last week, this is the one that I kept coming back to. Um, there are some really good covers of this on the old interwebs. So Kelly Clarkson, you can go check that out on YouTube. She does a really faithful cover of it. And she, um, sings the praises of Patty Griffin in one of the clips that I watched where she was like, you need, you guys need to go check her out. Um, and then, <laughs> and then Boney Vare does a really good cover. You heard that one? Ooh, I need no, but I need to. I want to watch that more than I want to watch Elizabeth Town. I'll tell you that. You, yeah, absolutely. I have time to do them both. Right. <laughs> um, Wayne. Well, let me try to keep track of. I have two pages of notes on this song. I will start with this. Oh my God. This song makes me cry every time. Not sobbing, but like in the corner of my eyes uh, every single time. There is so much in this song it it it's so desperate and it's so well written i mean just from the some of the lines about you know the you know the the first line about headed you know jumping the taxi headed for the sky the part that i think is i mean he's clearly he's he's you know his work is important to him but the line um he's off to slay some demon dragon fly like is a comment about it's not that important like what he's doing is not isn't he's not slaying dragons. He's slaying dragonflies. Like, I do think that was intentional to, to put this whole thing in perspective, which I think is brilliant. Oh, yeah. She's deciding to leave him. Um, but I love, and when it gets into that, uh, that, but darling, I wish you well part and the swinging on the gates of hell. And then how, how heartbreaking it is. And she's, when uh, she says, but I can tell how hard you're trying. Uh, and then, so this, so this first verse in that first chorus is basically being sung to him. And then the whole thing, now she's left him. And that second verse, um, she's, you know, she's got doubts about what she did. She's trying to, she's telling herself that, you know, she's made a mistake, that she's going to be lonely forever. She's also trying, you know, trying to, because this whole thing hinges on, you know, she gave up everything. Now she's trying to tell you he didn't love you. He didn't love anybody. Um, She's having this conversation. So then that second verse, that second chorus is to herself telling her, you know, to hold on and keep, you know, swinging off the gates of hell. And then it goes into that bridge about the uh, may you dream, you know, like that. And it, and the music gets really epic as they add a couple more instruments into it to really get it up. And then that, that final, that third chorus is, is everyone who feels like this. It's like, it's being sung to everybody who's, you know, what made a mistake did, you know, uh, fallen out of love, let somebody go. It's like to everybody. It's like, she just, there's just, I I can't even keep track of all these notes. I was starting to, I was, I I was scribbling down so many different things, but this song, like I say, it touched me from the very first time I heard it. And every single time I heard it, that the corners of my eyes got wet. Wow. Good too. 
Stephanie, what do you got? Oh, gosh, this song. I remember like crying to this in college about my, you know, my unrequited love situations. I just remember like turning the song on and putting it on repeat. Um, that I'm with you, Wayne, like that first line when he jumps in the taxi headed for the sky off to slay some demon dragonfly like that, just like, Oh, like someone leaving to do something that they think is better, you know? And that for some reason that just always like cuts me. And then I also love the, um, the, the chain I wore around my throat, you know, like, God, there's just so much good imagery in this song. Um, and it just takes you along all like the roller coaster of heartbreak. Is she pissed off about it or is she resigned the, herself to the fact that it would depend on which day you were talking to her? I mean, cause like she, she, yeah. I think just like I have known people who've done this. Um, she went into it thinking, this is what I have to do. This is, I'm unhappy. And this is what's making me unhappy. And then they make the decision. And now they didn't automatically get happy again. And it's, you know, that, that line about the trail of tears and she's alone. And, you know, she's, so she's telling herself what, you know, one minute she's telling herself, you're always going to be alone. The next minute, you know what, you did the right thing. You, you know, he, he, not, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love anybody. And, but I, I I'm the one thing about the bridge uh, that bridge section towards the, before she does the the chorus again, it's may you dream you are dreaming in a warm, soft bed. May the voices inside you that yeah. fill you with dread. That's, that's, that's to everybody else. That's she's saying, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. The way I feel but, right now, I don't, I, I wouldn't wish, no one, I don't want, no one should feel like this. But the next lyric on that is, so, and may the voices inside you that fill you with dread, make the sound of thousands of angels instead. So it's like she's wishing the love well, even though he or she has caused, caused her a lot of heartache. Or it could be, I, I could see her singing this to herself though. Oh yeah. Or anybody else who feels like this. That's that's the way I took it was like anybody who feels like this, like I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Anybody who feels like I feel right now, I hope those voices turn into angel singing because this is crushing, soul crushing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see it. I, I think it's definitely more for herself, to herself, and to other people in that that can relate. But I don't I don't get a lot of anger. I think this is this song is just yeah. processing a very real situation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have done an episode just about this song. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could because man, we can unpack this for at least another twenty minutes. I think, um, Wayne, what's your score? This was my favorite song. All right. Ten. Stephanie, uh, five. All right, this is my eight. All right, next song is tomorrow night.
remember how I was telling you earlier about um, how most of the songs are perfectly crafted and the instruments don't get, you know, too out of whack. This is the first time on the album that I felt like an instrument started <laughs> to take over a little yeah. too much. Not that, not <laughs> yeah. that uh, I looked at the credits. Cami Lyle is the is the trumpeter on this. It's not like it's bad. It's just a different feel, and maybe that was the point because we're going to talk about a big transition in a minute. But uh, it was a little overpowering for me. Yeah, and I thought they did the trumpet solo as best you could do. It just doesn't fit. Like it, this song has a very Patsy Cline, Brenda Lee, old country song, and it's you know. And then this trumpet, you know, like he peeks out initially before he does, before they do their little solo. And I was just like, is that, is that a trumpet? There's no horn that belongs in the song. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, just so you know, I said that just because I knew I was poking the bear when I said it. So. <laughs> I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying every bit of it. So. All right. All right. So, what, Stephanie, what do you have on this song? You know, this song is, uh, I definitely get the sentiment. This song is not one that I 100% connect with. I mean, I'm just being honest. Um, I definitely get, but sonic, like melodically, it's just not as much my thing. Um, And melody is so important for me. Um, It's just, it's a, I definitely get the feelings from it, but this song was never one that I've really connected with a bunch on the record. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, should we just go ahead and get some scores? Sure. Wayne. Sure. What, what do you got? I gave it a four. This is my three. And then Stephanie. Two. All right. So next song is Mil Besos. <laughs> And Wayne, I've been talking a lot this year about my obsession with Linda Ronstad and how many records of hers I've bought. So Linda has three Spanish singing records. Do you know how many of Linda's Spanish singing records I have in my collection? Do you have three? I have none. None okay. because I don't I just don't connect with it. And you know what? We took two years of Spanish. I don't understand. I know. And, and, and you even call me Ben Hamin. Uh, that, that's why I say hola Ben Hamin at the beginning of any episode. That's all I remember I, from our two years of Spanish together. Uh I that's, that's all I know as well. I, I I mean I tried to recite some other stuff and you're like, What were you saying about the bathroom? So <laughs> So, yeah, I don't remember any of it. All right. So I told Wayne last night. So he and I were texting and and both of us had kind of figured this was going to be one of our lower scores. And I said, I've got a story that I found about this. So let me let me just read this. So talking about the rest of the record, the recording took a week at the end of April 2001. They did two days of vocals, three of overdubs and then mixed it. The album was done. But according to everyone but Michael Ramos, he called Patty and told her there was a Spanish ballad she absolutely had to sing. 
Griffin, who doesn't even speak Spanish, told Ramos she'd come over, but I'm not going to do the song. And then she heard it. She might have heard the lyric herself. In translation, it says, Encountering your love, I lost my faith, and that gave me my reason to live. I lost my heart on the thousand kisses, which is what Mil Bezos is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thousand kisses that I left on your lips. It might be a sin and it might be a, insane, but I have to keep loving you until my heart comes back. Uh, it said Mil Bezos fits so perfectly that it became the title track of the album. It will stand as one of the great crossover performances of her generation, a song she sings with control and passion. It's one of the hallmarks of her art that Patty Griffin doesn't seem to care whether she wrote the song or not. She inhabits it either way. So that was, that was from an article that I got off of uh, Austin newspaper dated back to 2003. So okay, does that change anyone's opinion of this song uh you know what and i knew i didn't catch the the title uh because i did poorly in those two years of spanish <laughs> until it was till it was too late and i knew i even wrote in my notes i'm gonna look like the asshole in this in this because it doesn't it doesn't i knew there had to be a reason that she did it and then when i when i i corazon kept coming up so I was looking, I was translating that. And then I, you at I least saw, know that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Heart. Okay. And then I saw Bezos and I looked and I was like, Oh my Yeah, I knew what mill right, right away. When I heard that, I saw that and I was like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I just, it's, and it's so Spanish. You couldn't musically, you couldn't do it in English. It would, it, that would, they would literally make less sense even then. Um, but I, I still, to me, it, it's so, it's just nothing around it feels like it would fit. And, and, and so it's, it's almost abrasive in its differentness and I couldn't, but I did move it from one to two uh, <laughs> just off of everything. It was, it was too late to go any higher than that, but. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, if, if you're saying you're the a-hole in this, well, this is my lowest score. So I'm super a-hole. <laughs> Not this. Well, um, I'm varying degrees. I'm extra super a hole too. Then so we're <laughs> okay. All right. So. You're in good. We're all in good company, I guess. All right. <laughs> Wayne just had to be different. Go ahead, Wayne. Tell us your score. I, I gave it a two. Ah, uh, whatever. You don't even mean it. All right. Uh, no, I last did. but I not did. least. Last but not least is Rain, which is a reprise. It's only a minute and twenty seconds long. So at the end of the day, I decided no sound clip for you reprise. Um, Cause there's really not a whole lot there. It's, it's nice. And ultimately, ultimately nice. that's my, my, the reason I gave it my lowest score is because I, because I like the idea of a reprise. Um, it's been done extremely well by a couple people. The Beatles, Sergeant Peppers only always comes up because it, it gives the record a whole, like a, a circular feel, like it brings everything back together and but it's too short and it doesn't contain enough of of the brilliance of the first because that that first song moves like it starts dark and it starts to to rise and then it really rises and then it drops off and none of that is captured in this in this too short of clip so i like i the concept is great like i it's that's the what you should do you should come up with a piece of music 
that ties to ties it back to the beginning. I think that that would have been great, but it's too short and it doesn't what made rain so, you know, amazing for me musically. They're not, this is just a straight on elevator closing clip, you know, closing credits clip that musically matches the, some parts of the first. So, and there's no shame in having a record that's only seven songs long. So when I listen to this again, I'm stopping at nobody's crying. <laughs> oh my God. I just had the same thought. <laughs> when I submitted this record, I was thinking, man, I'm only really thinking about seven songs, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's, I echo that. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is my two Wayne. This was my one. And then Stephanie. Somehow this is my three. <laughs> okay. It's all, good. it's all good. Yeah. All right. So my question for you all is, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? God, I hope so. I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Um, so we put together our top five based off of our scores. Any guesses on number one? Um, let's see. I'm going to, is it rain? Rain's number two. Oh, long ride home is number one. That's uh, probably mostly my doing with, that was my top score. Uh, yeah. Third was nobody's crying because of Wayne's top score. Number four, making pies. And fifth is be careful. So, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Top yeah, five. I can look yeah. at that all day. Even the, even though it doesn't have stolen car on it, but <laughs> it's okay. We ruined that. Yeah. Yeah, and and Wayne Wayne tanked uh, Chief for you, Stephanie. So that that tanked it out of the top five. You know, Wayne, I listened to it all day today, so it's fine. I'm making <laughs> I'm making up for it in streams. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, uh, Stephanie, this has been a lot of fun. Wow, this has been a blast. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. So, okay. So we've done three Patty records. We've done, I think (laughs) we've done two, we've done two Pearl Jam records. We will be doing a second Tom Petty episode soon. Um, If we did another Patty record, what do you think a guest is going to choose Outside of living with ghosts, Silver Bell, and this one that we just did. Well, if it were me, I would choose Children Running Through. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll um, just wait for that one. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've done a Gillian Welch record already, so that's the we we definitely have a lot of guests that are influenced by by Patty and you can definitely put her on the, the upper echelon of singer songwriters who are big influencers for sure. Yes. It was so funny. My boyfriend and I went to dinner tonight and we were listening to, I, I, I put on 1000 kisses on our, on our drive home. And he was like, is this Patty Griffin or the 20,000 female singer songwriters that are influenced by her? And I thought it was really funny. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But, yep. Yeah. There, so there is something to be said for that. Yeah. But she is her own. To me, she is. There's there is no replica of her. She just does her thing. Yeah. All yeah. right. So um. So 
so tell our listeners where they can find all the happenings of 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 Stephanie Lambring. Well, the best way to follow me is on Instagram. Um, it's my name is just Stephanie Lambring. Uh, I have a website too, stephanielambring.com. And I don't have tour dates as of right now. So probably the best way is just to follow me on Facebook or Instagram. There are only two Stephanie Lambrings that exist and it's probably pretty easy to find me. So are you doing, are you doing any streaming um, things to promote your record? Um, I've done one, but I'm, I'm probably going to do a little bit more. My record releases on October 23rd. I'll probably be doing more in October to kind of gear up. I have one last single coming out, so I'm a little bit focused around that. But then after that comes out, I'll probably start doing a little, a, a few live streams here and there. Gotcha. And I'm assuming that the uh, other single is, um, is uh, not Birdsong Hollow. Is that? <laughs> it is, it's not. <laughs> the other the, the next single is uh it's called joy of jesus okay and it is not what it sounds like no, so no it's not no <laughs> no it's not all right um so last question we lift this question from a fellow podcaster here in orlando who does the scotch and good conversation podcast so he asks his guests so who do you know that i don't know who should join me on this podcast to, well, this is, this is the, where I, I pill for his question. So who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Ooh, and I'm not sure who all you've had on, but Throw Ashley Ray, Ashley Ray. We have not had Ashley on yet. Okay. Um, she just released an amazing record. Great country Americana artist, um, Elise Davis. I haven't had Elise on either. Yeah, she's about to release a record too. She's gearing up to start releasing singles. Um, she's awesome. Um, gosh, Haley Witters. Haven't had her either. I don't know her. Yeah, she's she's uh, more in the country realm, uh, and she's really like she's doing really really well. Yeah, we yeah she writes at Carnival, which is the last place that I had a publishing deal, but sh- she's awesome. Great. All right. Well, yeah. We'll 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 chat. Get some Great. of them on. Help them promote their records as well. Definitely. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the socials. Um, I've been pretty active on Twitter lately, Wayne, because I bought a, a lot of records on eBay and some I don't want to keep and others I'm will be keeping but i've been asking people keep it or trade it so it's a it's been a lot of fun uh hearing people's reactions i I just posted today in fact um do i keep this debbie gibson record (laughs) (laughs) so i think i'm gonna keep it actually just just for foolish (laughs) just for foolish b get get the hands and get uh justified or whatever it was the hand yeah what it's a mumbop there you go so uh, you you man the Instagram page. Where can people find you? Records Revisited Podcast. All right. And, uh, of course, uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Go subscribe and rate or review us. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Um, 
well, you know the drill on that. Go go listen to your favorite musicians on one of their live streams that they're doing. I'm sure they're on Instagram Live or Facebook Live or or YouTube, what have you. Uh, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, maybe one that's called Autonomy. And we are Records Revisited, and we are out. out. <laughs>